0: Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 125. This week, we talk with Jeremy Foster about saving time with your keyboard. What's up with Yammer? Trying Soylent for a month. And I have a dev tip that might change your life.
1: This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization.
0: This week, we have Jeremy Foster, also known as Code Foster. He's a developer evangelist at Microsoft. He is frequently at meetups and producing amazing content on a steady basis. Welcome back to the show, Jeremy.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, and you, uh, you, you were debating whether or not your, your content was amazing before the show, but, uh, it, it is, uh, you're always producing awesome stuff and I, I love it when I go it's places and, and see you. Yeah. <laughs> love chatting with you. Uh, whenever, whenever, uh, whenever I see you. So you, you're always welcome on the show. Any, anytime you have cool stuff.
2: Thanks. This is a great show. You guys are getting, getting better too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. always trying to improve. (laughs) It's uh, it's easy whenever you're coming up from the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) So, Carl, uh,
1: what's going on? Hey, Jason, I'm going to need you to pause and splice in a little bit of updated news right here. We are going to be sponsoring an event at the MVP Summit, and I want everyone to be there. Yes, everyone is invited. MVPs, Microsoft employees, listeners, enthusiasts, everyone. It's going to be Saturday, November 5th, at the boardwalk from 6 to 10 p.m. That's part of the Microsoft Commons. And yeah, you heard right. We booked this on the Microsoft campus. There's no need to RSVP or sign up. Just come on over. The place is also a restaurant, so feel free to join us for dinner. However, we can't pay for anyone except for ourselves. To top it all off, we have a few special guests. Donna Sarkar from the Windows Insider Program and James Whitaker, the distinguished evangelist, have already confirmed that they will be there. We've also invited a bunch more, too, so you'll have plenty of cool and interesting people to mingle with. The venue is large, so don't worry about there being too many people. And last of all, there's going to be a band, too. Jeremy, you going to be there? I think I will. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so this just in,
0: <laughs> Jeremy will be there. <laughs> okay, so who do we have for the Infographics
1: Ultimate Winner of the Week? This week is actually a Microsoft employee, James Clark. He actually wrote an individual mail to you, Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, says that he listens to the MS Dev Show, uh, and most recently the one with the UWB Community Toolkit using BringCast, which is a uh, player for the Windows Phone, and it's really great. He says, hey, Jason, both myself and my son are avid Casey Neistat watchers. And since you featured the Nike BTF shoes and a boosted board on the same episode, I'm guessing you are, too. Uh, I've been on the fence about picking up a boosted board and would love to chat about your experience sometime and maybe talk into letting me have a go on it.
0: Yep. So I'm still, uh, so I've been chatting with him, uh, trying to get some time set up. So I'm going to let him try out the, the boosted board, but it's kind of funny because you're the one that, uh, actually mentioned the back to the future shoes. Um, that wasn't me, but I, I do, I do watch Casey, uh, Casey Neistat. Uh, so
1: you're a big fan. You're always sharing links to his stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, I've been, yes, I I've episodes i i it's kind of funny because i i was really annoyed by the guy at first because he tends to get on the uh Um, He he gets into the the trending section on YouTube and, you know, he's, he, he always does a link bait title and he, he does it intentionally. And he talks about that in his episodes. He's like, well, step one is like, get people in, like just whatever it will take to get you to click. Um, You know, if it has to be a complete lie, he'll do that. Um, So, you know, he's very clickbaity, which I find really annoying, but you know, I've sort of accepted that it's just, it's just, it's like table stakes at this point. Like it's just necessary. Um, So I guess I'm making excuses for him now. So that was that was where I first saw the the boosted board. What's kind of interesting is like people people are almost frustrated because there's a lot of people that buy the boosted board that that don't know who he is, and then it's like, oh, did you buy one because of him? You know, like he gets he basically it's like credit for for every boosted board that's sold. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's his stuff is pretty entertaining. He's he's famous now because he's famous. Like he just he gets to go and do uh, fun stuff, and he you know vlogs about it. And uh, but yeah, it, he was really the one that was showing the the utility of the of the booster, or whenever he travels like he's able to uh get around super fast on that thing and it is just it just is absurdly fun and it is just amazing for that and then at campus like i've been using it you know if i have to go in park at one building i can go between buildings super super fast with that thing faster than you could take a car and you don't lose your parking space um so yeah i'm gonna let him try it and i promise he'll buy one after he tries it. So it's like <laughs> it's like just not even a question so really really should just get his pre-order in
1: um, So so if, okay. you, so if you want to get mentioned on the show like James, send us an email or find Jason's personal email address and direct message him directly. <laughs> or you can email us at feedback at msdevshow.com comment on Facebook, YouTube Stitcher. We really like those five star iTunes reviews. Mm-hmm.
0: What's amazing is there's there's a, Jason Young is a, a pretty common name uh, because my first and my last name are extremely common. However, at Microsoft it's extremely rare. I think there's one other. Uh, which is just kind of absurd with how many employees that we have. And I think he's in retail. I get his emails every once in a while, so I'm sure (laughs) vice versa happens. Okay, so let's jump into the news. So Windows 10 will soon run Edge in a virtual machine to keep you safe. That sounds like a good idea.
1: Yeah, so I remember quite a few years ago, there was a product called like Sandboxy, like ending in IE, so you could run Internet Explorer in a sandbox. So if you went to a malicious site, you know, it would be contained in those... Uh, you know whatever malicious attacks would be contained to that little sandbox mm-hmm. and it seems like you know with, with this move that the browser makers are just going to be building that kind of technology directly in, yeah so you know I you know this is a forward looking one. We don't have it yet, but I think it's just an important step for as Microsoft focuses more and more on security, yeah,
2: I when as I... to what the article means when it says that it's a lightweight VM.
1: yeah, that's a good question. Maybe it's like a hyper
0: v container or something like that. Um, that's docker a docker container. Yeah, well, but the, you know, a container is not necessarily the same as a, as a VM. So hopefully they're not just like mixing terms in there. Yeah, but it. But in any case, like you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, Google Chrome, whenever it first came out, it, it had this uh, you know process isolation, so the each tab was its own process, and it actually has a task manager built in. Some people don't know that. Um, you can actually view it and like kill processes within Chrome. Um, so it was just kind of interesting. They 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 pioneered that, and then at, over time, like everybody else added it. You know, um, Edge was the next one, and then and Firefox, I think, added it recently. Um, and I suspect this is going to be like the next the next thing right like okay how can we further isolate the browser so that um you know when when people ignore every warning sign and still go to this horrible website um you know we can still keep them safe so this is all good innovation uh, okay. IoT standards groups OCF and All Scene Alliance merge. So, you know, the All Scene had a had a protocol called Alljoin, which was kind of interesting because it was built into Windows. So Windows actually acts as an Alljoin router. Um I mean, and now- had, it's an
2: ad, but it actually has.
0: Has yeah, has yeah. Well, they had they had added it, and it still exists in there. Is what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's currently in there. Um, so now these these organizations are are combining. I'm not quite sure what the impact is. I don't know if you if you have any thoughts on this, Jeremy.
2: Yeah, I, I do actually. I was I okay. was talking with Intel. Um, about standards like this, and it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit unfortunate because we're on this call, and you know here we Microsoft and Intel are, are having a talk about these standards, and they and we said you know well, basically we went with the all join way, and Intel said well basically we went with the OCF standard, <laughs> and so it, you know when that happens, it's just unfortunate for everybody involved. It's unfortunate yeah. for us as companies, and it's unfortunate for all of the developers that are they're trying to do this. This is like you know your neighbor ha- neighbor has a Betamax, and you've got a VHS, and you're yeah. just both screwed you know
0: yeah and in many of these cases like it, I what I always tell partners and customers you know from the Microsoft perspective like we want to support whatever whatever is popular like we're right. not trying to we're not trying to come up with our and push our own standard and say you know there's lots of great standards but please everybody just use ours in this case it's like hey like this is a nice open standard we like what it stands for let's support this um, and then you know so we we said you know VHS works perfectly fine for recording stuff it looks like everybody's going to buy that and then yeah your neighbor has a Betamax player and you're like oh Okay, well, what do we do now? So now we've just we've merged uh, BetaMax and uh, and VHS. Um, so like I don't I don't know seems, what that means yet.
2: It seems like whenever technology is relatively new, and IoT, I guess, is still relatively new, there's yeah. always a, a a bunch of different standards. And it's always really hard. I'm thinking of 3D printing. You're trying to print to 3D printers, and every single one is different. And so you have to kind of learn the nuances of your printer drivers. And then, and and this is the same way it was when we were trying to just print from applications. You know, printer drivers were inside the applications. And then the the value of of Windows, the value of the, I I guess it was uh, probably DOS or Windows 3.1 back then, when it started rolling up the printer drivers is, it's... All of a sudden, all I have to do is say "print." That's yeah. It should that's the way it should be?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, in the long run, this will be good for everybody. I think you'll you'll continue to see these these uh, the convergence of these standards. And the thing is that you know it's way more complicated than we're even making it out to be because some of these standards operate at different levels. Some of them are talking about like kind of lower level protocols. Some of them are talking about you know how, the commands that you actually send to devices, things like that. So. Um, yeah th- th- this is good though I mean just seeing this stuff sort of coalesce um, and um, and have have fewer standards that we can write against. It'll just be interesting to see then what the Windows team does. I have you know no inside information there so uh, uh, one of
1: the last paragraphs does mention that eventually that there will be a new uh, standard that's you know, kind of a, takes the best yeah. ideas of both while still providing interoperability and compatibility yeah. between what we have currently and the new standard. Yeah. So, so even though it's baked into windows now, it should still function with whatever the new standard uh, becomes.
0: And the nice thing is with the new windows delivery mechanism, you know, with newer, new builds coming out all the time, um, you know, this can evolve over time. I mean, this, this is like such a good example of, of why, why windows has to work like that. I mean, to wait three years for the next standard to be supported would be kind of ridiculous.
2: You just hope that when the standard kind of gets baked like this, that all of the uh, companies start playing along. You know, you really want to make sure that your Nest is compatible and your iHome devices are compatible and you want everybody to play along. And surely we're going to get a few that decide to do it their own way.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say Nest because they're just they're pretty evil.
2: (laughs) I mean, they're, they're
0: restrictive with like, yeah, who they work with. And then they just, they made up their own protocol and they have like this works with nest thing. And which it's fine to say, you know, Hey, my, this other product works with my product, but, um, I, I don't know they I, they just they're, they're It isn't as open as I thought. I thought by buying a nest that just all of this magical stuff would, would just light up. And the first thing I tried to connect, you know, was my smart things. And they're just like, well, due to like legal requirements, you know, their terms of service, like we can't talk to them directly. So wink, wink, there's a script over here. Um, we can publish the script, uh, but you have to like, you know, you have to copy and paste the code. that's like, yeah, it's like oh yeah, this is really good for consumers people. Like yeah. uh, it's just it's just a horrible horrible business practice. Uh let's move on before I start crying. Uh you might not need JavaScript. This is an awesome page, Carl. I love this. You want to explain what this? Is?
1: <laughs> 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 so, you know, for me, one of the things that I think is really great about CSS is how oftentimes when you write things in CSS it runs on the gpu so if you're on a mobile device it's not going to just run faster but it's going to run with less battery consumption too that's a good point so if you if you have sites that are optimized properly for the use of css you can get uh, a substantial uh, savings towards uh, you know battery and that and some of the stuff here i just i would never have thought is possible i think one of the last things on the or right in the middle you can do a color picker entirely in css so yeah. i mean i mean I some of the things on one. here
0: yeah, I didn't see that one. Uh, well, anyway, I believe you. Oh, it's sort of in the middle. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Color picker. Ah, okay. Very cool. Jeez, that's pretty insane. Oh, I see. Because it's using like a built-in thing. Okay, very yeah. cool. Yeah, what I liked about this page, it wasn't even like the the, the, the technical achievement, you know? Because we can, we can always say like, oh, let's just, you know, do this in some obscure thing, right? Let's see if we can write it in you know, I don't know, Perl and then converted to JavaScript. Like that's, that's not what's interesting about it. What's interesting about this is that, um, it, it teaches me like the stuff that, that I can do in CSS. Like there, it, there were some of these things that I, I just didn't realize were possible. So it just expands that, that toolbox of, uh, uh, of things that I can do in there, which is very cool. Any comments on this, Jeremy?
2: Yeah, and let me qualify. Like I said at first, yeah. <laughs> um, this one this one doesn't get me excited. The reason why is because of what you said earlier. It's kind of clickbait, you know. There was the you might not need jQuery, um, and this one you might not need JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, in this, there's there's only a small sense in which I don't like this. What I do like about this, and what I kind of wish that this article would spell out, is that what this is is the difference between imperative and declarative coding. Yeah, and and I really like that it's saying, hey, don't be imperative if you don't have to. CSS is Beautiful in that it's just kind of describing the visual state of your application, and if you can describe the visual state of your application declaratively, then it's ridiculous to try to do it imperatively. Right. What I what I don't want is for this to make people feel like um, JavaScript is not the de facto standard going forward for implementing logic. Whenever you need logic, you still need JavaScript.
1: Yeah.
0: No. Very very well said. I think that closes out that topic. Uh, yammer is dead. Long live yammer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So
1: (laughs) the, which it's actually not the title of the article. I just thought that would be a fun title. Um, so, you know, I, I was actually forwarded this article from a, uh, a coworker and in a lot of circles, yammer is not very well respected or liked, and, you know, for for whatever reason, and I I just thought it was interesting. Uh, a lot of companies use this, and it looks like uh, Microsoft is no longer supporting the enterprise version of Yammer, and a lot of the different pieces and functionality of it are getting migrated into Office 365. Mm-hmm. So it's not really that it's dying; it's just transitioning into hopefully something that uh, gives it uh, more life and uh, better. Uh, usage of its capabilities. Yeah,
0: it was always confusing internally because, yeah, we had Yammer and then we had, uh, actually, I guess this is external too, but then we had Office Groups. And we're like, wait a second, what about Yammer? And then Yammer started getting integrated in SharePoint, uh, but SharePoint wasn't necessarily integrated in Yammer because you could upload documents, but you couldn't edit them in place and get all the history and all that good stuff. So, <laughs> so this whole thing has been kind of confusing. So honestly, like any change is good because um, you know I I, I want to start seeing where we're where we're headed on this on this journey. Um, yeah, Yammer is one of those things where. You know, it's, it's, if for people who aren't familiar with it, I always think of it as like internal Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll just kind of leave it at that. That's like the simplified version. And you need you need critical mass like i don't know what this looks like at internal at, a, at small companies um i can't imagine how they how they use it um, especially with something like slack um, existing where it has it's like high speed communications but at microsoft is kind of interesting because you know we obviously have that uh that scale so that we can have different groups that take off and we we have a lot of different groups that that have like specific business purposes um and then we have some fun stuff uh it's it's kind of interesting like um there was a, you know, the, it's, it's fun to read all company every once in a while. I don't know if you go out and do this, Jeremy, but you go out and read all company every once in a while, because it's usually like people mistakenly posting out there. Yeah. Right. Um, so this one guy, he's actually pretty famous now. He, uh, he posted something out there. I wish I had his exact message, but it was like, um, I'm, I'm leaving it to today because my dishwasher is getting delivered. <laughs> and the number of replies and comments was just crazy. Um,
1: people asking for follow-up
0: well, people, yeah, so so the first thing was like, well, like what kind did you get? You know, tell us about it. Um, what kind, did you get a good deal? And then it was then hours later, it's like, don't leave us hanging. Like, what's you know, did <laughs> you tried it? Have you like what kinds of dishes have you washed in it? And it ended up spawning. There's there's not now there's now a uh, a dishwasher delivery group in Yammer. <laughs> so you, actually, people on a regular basis post when they are getting a dishwasher delivered. Um, so that one's kind of silly. Um, I'll tell you about one more silly one and then one more sort of useful. one. so then we have this other one and this one, this one's hilarious. And hopefully I don't get, you know, like in trouble for mentioning this one, but we have this, uh, milk cartons of the Pacific Northwest. Have you seen this Jeremy? No, <laughs> this is one you want to subscribe to. <laughs> so it's people. So we have this problem, uh, you know, that's, uh, th- this internal problem where there, you know, people there's milk cart there, you know, the, the milk is free and people will take a milk carton. they will use it in their coffee and then they put it back in the fridge. Well, then the next Definitely person nice. comes along The next person comes along and they're like, well, I don't want to use an open milk. Right. So I'm going to take another one. So we have this massive, like wasteful milk practice. So people started taking pictures of them and posting them. And it's, it's like one of the largest Yammer groups has tons of activity. Um, But it was, it actually turned into a good thing because like even Satya saw it. And, uh, and then he actually instituted this thing where there's like, there's now, if you look, there's like half gallon jugs in the building. So you can use that instead of using a carton. So we've actually figured out how to be more efficient through this. We made fun. It's just, this pattern of like making fun of the problem and then solving the problem because it's just so hilarious. And then the last group is uh curmudgeonville, which is, which is just awesome. It's actually the largest group on, 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 uh, on Yammer uh, internally at Microsoft. And it's just people complaining about stuff, but what's great is they've actually now, uh, They've actually t- taken those complaints and they've started using that as a force for good. So now, you know, sure, everybody can complain about the stuff, but now they're like, let's go fix this. So the one was the, um, actually, I don't even know if I can mention it. I I, I will anyway. So they, <laughs> cause it, I think, it, I think it's like all open source and everything, but BCCing the like a distribution list is really annoying when people do that. Um, you know, so they, they work, they wrote some code to, to fix that. Um, so it's just great. You know, now they're like looking at like, okay, what other problems can we solve? So again, you, it starts from a place of like complaining about something, but then you find other people that are equally uh, perturbed by it. And, uh, um, you know, want to go out there and actually fix the issue. So Yammer has actually been a pretty, uh, pretty good uh, force for, for good within, uh, within Microsoft, but it requires that, um, uh, critical mass to, to happen but now I think integrating it into the into these other applications so that it just sort of becomes transparent I think that'll get more people to use it and then it'll probably start to remove that requirement for critical mass you know I can publish a document into SharePoint somebody can comment on it we can collaborate on it we can fix it we can iterate on it all backed. you know it's backed by SharePoint but we're you know commenting using Yammer we can go more real time with something like Skype so um yeah once once this whole vision like as it evolves, it's just going to make for better collaboration and a better business environment.
2: Don't you find it interesting that Microsoft is a company that makes software for companies yeah. and we ourselves are large enough to be a really good testing ground. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's just like a torture test of these of these yeah. technologies, um, and we get to see some of the edge cases. There's finally in Yammer, uh, you can do on your inbox. There's a there's a mark all as red button. Finally, um, for the longest time, you know, people were complaining, and Yammer was like, "Well, nobody else is like having this issue because um, we're just at this insane scale." But you know, it's like, okay, we well, got to write that code before. You know, you have to anticipate that this is gonna be wildly successful with some of these larger companies. Um, It's sort of a chicken and egg problem, you know, so they finally fixed some of those things and just made uh, Yammer uh, a better product. But yeah, we, uh, for a while you could create new networks within Yammer and they actually uh, had to shut that down because so many networks ended up getting created in Yammer and now it requires like CVP approval. (laughs) It's, uh, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, that's, that's a really good point, Jeremy. Ah, here we go. Google to desktop owners. You're about to get staler searches. (laughs) Did you write that Carl? Staler search
1: results than mobile users. Yeah. So that that, that was copy pasted right from the article. Okay. So what's happening is about a year ago, mobile search results on Google overtook desktop usage. Mm -hmm. And and now what they're saying is they have different indexes. If you're a, a accessing the mobile version versus the desktop version. And uh, they're actually going to update the mobile indexes on a much more frequent basis than the desktop version. So if you're Googling for something on your desktop, you might be getting uh, less relevant results than if you were to do the same re- uh, search on your phone. Yeah. So, so as, so as why, somebody- so like
0: yeah, it's just kind of weird though, how this is presented. Like why, so why do I get, why will I get worse results on my desktop? Like, why don't they, is it, is it that they can improve that or they're just not focusing on that right now?
1: They're focusing on mobile.
0: Okay. it's just, so I don't weird know it, when you look at the flip side, <laughs> doesn't
2: it seem like at an algorithm level, they would be shared enough that they would be able to update both at the same time. I don't, I don't understand why it's so well, it's see, much, Jeremy Google.
0: They're, they're kind of a small company. They only have like a dozen developers <laughs> and uh, it's really tough. It's really tough writing software like that. It seems <laughs> like, like pl- the
2: wrong choice.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Um, uh, You know, maybe this article, I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
2: So, you
1: know, I I don't understand the technological reasons behind it, because maybe there is a good reason that we just don't know. But as a result, I mean, we are an industry where we we use search every day. Yeah. So if, if we're not getting the results we need because we're sitting at a desktop, we might just want to bust out the phone next to us <laughs> to do that search and we might get a better answer.
0: Oh, that, that, is that your dev tip of the week there, Carl? Oh, <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Well, uh, before we do, I, <laughs> okay, I
2: feel, I feel like, um, it's not so much that, um, I, I want, I, that I think the desktop is more important or the phone is more important for me as a consumer. I just want there to be one source. Like when, yeah. I, when I Google something, I want I actually want to have the same results on my phone as I do on my desktop. When I'm on my phone, I'm not interested in different things. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in the same answers.
0: Well, so that's not entirely true, right? So if, <laughs> this is a big if, if there is a mobile version of the site that is, compl- let's say complete, because it's really annoying when it's not complete, right? Whenever it's like missing functionality. But if there is a truly good mobile version of a site, I'd rather have that than a, like a you know, horrible, clunky desktop version. Uh, but you know, again, that's that's kind of a big if, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it, you you know the kind of the sites I'm talking about. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> Soylent. Let me let me pronounce Soylent it here. Timber, Jeremy. Soylent Tell Timber.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. This is, I guess, my kind of pick of the week. Um, I yeah. for the last month I did an all Soylent diet. So and like this is
0: like this is this is it. Like that's that's all you've had.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be clear there it's been a little bit now. Um, I'm kind of working in other food now, but for the month of September, it was just Soylent. Yeah, And it's really funny. Like I, I found this company, it's kind of a startup company. The guys that started it are so- we're software developers. And so they they label their their products, their food products with version 1.6 and version <laughs> two and everything. And it's cool because their whole philosophy I love, it's like they, they just want to make everything really simple. So their packaging, yeah. if you go to Soylent.com, you can see that their packaging is a, about as simple as it gets. They I, I'm sure that they contacted the the uh, uh, Food and Drug Administration and said, "What? What? How little can we put on our on our bottle? Oh, wow, Don't get away crazy. with it." Yeah, it's just a big this, this white bottle. This is what
0: it looks like whenever you put on like the glasses from uh, what was that movie where you could see like the truth. It's like they live or something. I, I
2: think it was called
0: it. Delish. Oh, anyway, it. it looks just like that. That's hilarious.
2: Yeah. yeah, so they've got four products and that's it. And they've got a powder version and a liquid version and then a bar. And then they've got the liquid version with coffee added. Yeah. And it's cool. It's just food. It's you know, you, It has 20% of everything you need for the day. So theoretically, if you drink five of those... Then you, um, you have everything that you needed for the day, and you could do just that. They don't like push that, probably for legal reasons. But a yeah. lot of people, like if you go to the the Soylent subreddit, uh, a lot of people are are going on Soylent only diets. Um, a lot of other people are just supplementing their day with some soylent, but you can do fun things like since it's such a predictable integral amount of food, I, you can do yeah. like what I chose to do was four bottles of soylent a day. So I had a 1600 calorie diet for a month. Okay. So I, you know, I dropped a little bit of weight and, yeah. um, chose to, chose to do that on my own. But anyway.
0: That's, that's uh, fun. that's pretty cool. So why, why did they call it Soylent though? Like don't, don't they know that that has like, yes, they,
1: they did that on purpose. So, you know, one of the things that I was actually really interested and in, I wanted to talk about, uh, that I saw in your blog post was kind of the social aspects of this because there's a lot of personal reasons to do it, but you mentioned you were going to be very strict about this and you have a wife that wasn't doing this. And you also, you know, went out to eat with other people where you abstain. So I was just wondering, you know, if, you know, if you could expand upon some of those social interactions that happen when you already have consumed your Soylent.
2: Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I was actually really surprised by that. I thought it was going to be difficult. My second week into it, I had a team offsite and at team offsites we have all kinds of opportunities to go out for food and you're with people yep. and there's food at the events and it's in the hallways and I thought man this is going to be really hard maybe I should just stop it for that week and and continue it later it wasn't hard at all it was it was amazing i think one of the big reasons why it's it's um it's easy easier than i expected was because um, it was a strict diet of just Soylent and nothing else. So walking by the candy so pile now is just easy. Yeah, it's, the answer yeah. is always no. I can't have anything except for Soylent and water. <laughs> and so it's really easy. And then I was surprised by the fact that when I would go out to food with people, I don't, I, like my food is taken care of. I, I had a, a drink yeah. two, two hours ago or something. So I can just sit there and like look at people and talk to them and ask questions and think about the situation. And it wasn't awkward at all.
0: Okay. And they're just like, oh, that's just Jeremy. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and You know, I think you brought up a really good point, too, because like uh, quite a few years ago, I quit smoking. And for me, it wasn't too terrible because I'd be like I could convince myself, like, I don't need to smoke to survive. Yeah. But as somebody who's overweight, it's like I can't I can't just give up eating.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So, so what, what does this stuff taste like? Is it any good?
2: I think it's absolutely delicious. Like the first time I tasted it, I was like, well, that's kind of bland. And that's on purpose. That's the whole simple thing. It's not like, it's really vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you look at, if you go down the aisle at your grocery store and you look for meal replacements, you'll find most of them are milk based and most of them have really high levels of high fructose corn syrup. Mm -hmm. And so when you drink one, especially compared to a Soylent, they're extremely sweet and extremely high flavor. And Soylent is not that at all. And after just a few days, I came to absolutely love the flavor. And that one of their intentions is that if you want to put it in a blender with a banana, all of a sudden you have a banana shake. Or if you want to add some chocolate, all of a sudden you have a chocolate shake. But on its own, it's just kind of, I don't know, just kind of like food. (laughs) It's maybe got a mild vanilla taste to it, but...
0: I'm just looking for the changelog to see what bugs they fixed in the last version. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty, <clears throat> that's pretty cool. It's funny because like years ago, like I, I was asking for this, like I was telling people, I'm like, Oh, if, if they just made like, you know, food product a, and I, but I always caveated it with, and, and I guess maybe this is true anyway, but like, if there was like something I could eat where I would, I would just like the, like the goof in the matrix is what I was always thinking of. Like if I could just eat that and then have it make it. So I wasn't hungry but it was just great. And it was like exactly what my body needed. I'm like, that's what I want. Yeah. And um, I guess it sort of exists now, Um, but I don't know. Well, it kind of existed before be chicken.
2: Yeah, for hospital patients and stuff. They had oh, okay. these, you know, basically an IV or something that something that takes care of the sustenance without any yeah. of the frills. And that's what this is really for consumers. But it's, it's amazing. The thing I think that was the highlight for my September was I didn't realize how much ceremony there is around food. Yeah. I didn't realize how much of my day is spent thinking about my next meal, talking yeah. with people about where we're going to go to get our next meal, and then walking there and standing in line and paying and chewing and you know, and then throwing all my trash away and taking the trash. Maybe
0: you're an out. hour There's, and a gosh. half minimum, right? Like, oh minimum, yeah, an hour and a yeah. half a day. Yeah. So like, just by this, it's like look, done. Or yeah, know, like you don't you don't want to think about it.
2: The other day, I brought one to the airport. I, I if you do the liquid one, you have to think about your air travel because you, of mm-hmm. course, you can't take, you can't check unless you want to check your luggage. But even then, you have to consume your last one like in line at TSA, and then you can't <laughs> have one until you, check, oh, yeah. you you pick up your luggage, right? So if you're yeah. going some long distance, you need to go with some of the powdered stuff so you could mix it on the plane or something, I guess. But but I'm standing in line at the TSA, and it takes me 15 seconds to you know chug my chug my liquid soylent
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it's just such a it, it i don't know what it is it, it's just such an interesting concept because there's like part yeah. of my brain saying like this is weird but the other yeah. part is like you're just an idiot like this is this is amazing <laughs> yeah so that's pretty cool though i might have to i'm gonna have to try that can, can you only order it online like from their site is that is that the you way could- to get it
2: you can order it on their site at com, and they give you a little discount if you do a membership and you know, where you, yeah. they're going to send that's it to you regularly, yeah. but, but you can turn that off and on. There's no like membership fee. So that's nice and easy. And also for anybody that's just starting out on Soylent, look for like a referral. Cause you can get the first one at, I don't know, like half off or free or something oh, like okay. that. So, well, let's put, let's put, yours, there. In the sh- let's put yours in the this, but they also sell it through Amazon.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, we'll put your we'll put your referral code in the uh, in the show notes. That's pretty cool. I didn't, I was. Gonna, I was going to ask if there was one. Okay, very cool. Uh, so let's move on. We're done with news, right? Yeah, everybody good. Okay, so let's let's talk to Jeremy because uh, apparently I'm not using my keyboard enough. <laughs> <laughs> so. So you, you recently, so we, we saw you had a tweet out there and you did a presentation on this and it's all about using your keyboard, trying not to use your, your mouse as much, or maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but so I guess we'll, we'll just kind of open it wide open and like what, what made you come to some of these realizations and, and what are you trying to do?
2: Um, so yeah, my presentation that I did was here in Seattle at a thing called Code Writers Workshop uh, put on by MoDev, a really cool group and really cool crowd that was there. And we had a really fun conversation for about an hour. I basically talked to people about um, making their developer lives more efficient and different tips uh, to be able to do that. And it, I think that there are a lot of Parts of our lives, not just um, our our habits as developers, but in the rest of our lives as well, where we can look into uh, where we're wasting time or at least spending time, and be um, very intentional about um, changing some of our habits. And if we can do that and save, uh, you know, a minute a day in some regard, that that's that's valuable. It's valuable to save little bits of time because that adds up. And yeah. for developers, I, I feel like um, we overlook. What we're actually doing when we write our code, you know, like half of a developer's time is spent with silly things like administration tasks and meetings and and whatever. But half of their day, roughly 19 hours of a, of a typical developer's life is spent either designing. So their hands are usually on the keyboard and they're staring at the ceiling or their arms are crossed or something or actually writing code into the into the um, computer. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of times where um, we can shave that minute off right there uh, where where they're actually developing. And it might not be a minute. It might be more like 30 minutes. And if they do 30 minutes a day, then that stacks up to free days per year that people can recapture by changing some of their habits.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just paste it in there. I'm sure you've seen this, the XKCD chart um how long can you work on making a routine task more efficient before you're spending more time than you save and this is across five years so yeah so it's basically how much time you can shave off um how often you do the task and then it it will it will look that up so yeah i mean it's so it's all about making that investment uh which will pay dividends over over time right
2: yeah, yeah. And one of my, I think the biggest tip, the one that I really wanted to share with people and that gave me the idea to put together a course like this and, and help me to develop all the other, I call them key hacks. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of playing off of life hacks because there are a lot of really good life hacks out there that do this exact thing for all of life, but these are uh, key hacks. But the big one, in my opinion, is um, there are a million keyboard shortcuts on your computer that you're not using right now. and. In order to do that, in order to get into the habit of using those, what you need to do is you need to use the keyboard shortcut every time, even if you have to go look it up. And adding that little bit of pain to that task every time, will it'll surprise you that after three or four or five times looking it up, now you have it memorized and you don't have Wait. to have that pain anymore. Now you can keep your hand on the keyboard and do the keyboard shortcuts. Okay. I don't know so, if you're like me where you sometimes I find myself doing a alt tab alt d control this enter to 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 and I just did a whole series of things that if I imagine how long that would have taken if I would have not only traveled to my mouse with my hand but also clicked around it just I probably just saved you know a sig- many seconds on that one absolutely, task absolutely
1: so I think I, another thing that you had talked about was kind of you you looked at the different kinds of keyboards as they've evolved through the years like going back through the typewriter and the key layouts what kind of stuff did you learn like going back and looking like how we've done it for the past hundred plus years
2: yeah that's a great question it's it's really fun because if you just you buy this you know seven dollar keyboard nowadays it's a modern keyboard and you, you sit there and look at it and you go man why does this thing look the way it does why are those keys there like that and you know most of us are using qwerty dvorak's tried hard to have a foot in (laughs) but it's just never really worked Mm -hmm. and um but the history of this is really interesting basically started at the end of the 19th century in 1874 uh, Scholes and glidden put together a keyboard layout that was based on avoiding mechanical jams um, as the operator was using this thing a lot of people there's a myth out there that qwerty the layout was designed to slow you down and that's not the case at all. It wasn't designed to slow you down. It was designed to avoid jams in the um, in the mechanics. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard. I've heard that it was designed to slow you down. And I thought, see, what I had heard, it was designed to slow you down to avoid the jams. And then somebody's like, no, that's a myth. So yeah, it's good that you kind of picked that apart and made, yeah. made that very clear. That's that's good. Now I understand like the the truth there.
2: <laughs> there's actually reasonable balance between the left and right hands on QWERTY. It's mm-hmm. not great, but there's reasonable balance. And that's actually really important when we're typing. Because if if in my brain, if, of course, this is happening really fast, I'm typing the word... I'm typing the word, um, pat, I type mm-hmm. a P with my right hand. And while my finger is going through that travel, my brain is starting to send a signal for my left hand to go to the A. And because mm-hmm. those are the two different hands, I, I gain some efficiency there. If I had to type everything with one hand, I wouldn't be nearly as efficient. So on the QWERTY keyboard, you can, there are roughly, well, there are thousands of key, of words that you can type with your left hand only. But there are only about 200 that you can type with your right hand only. And so, there's not perfect balance there, but there's reasonably good balance between the two hands. So, it's actually a reasonably good keyboard and people don't, in studies, people don't get enough benefit from trying out a Dvorak or other keyboard layout. And and so, that's why they never catch on. In fact, there's a layout that was created in 1892 called the Mm Diatensor. That's what the home row spells out is D-H-I-A-T, (laughs) Diatensor. And it is—it's pretty phenomenal. Those are actually the most common keys, and so you can keep your fingers on the home row and type seventy percent of the words in the English language. Oh, nice! And as a, but as efficient as that is, it's still never caught on. QWERTY's just okay. fine for people. So okay. anyway, one of those thing, one of these legacies. If you look at your keyboard, you notice that it's not all lined up like a grid. In fact, even the first and third rows are not lined up with each other. It's just kind of this crazy layout, and that's left over from um, the the mechanical keyboards on typewriters that actually have support bars that hold the keys, and those support bars need to make sure that they don't conflict with each other. So if you draw kind of an imaginary exactly. line yeah. up through the top center of every key, you'll see that none of them conflict.
0: I gotcha. Yeah, the center of each one does not bump into the center of a different one. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's interesting. So
1: these things, these th- seem like they're kind of arbitrary things that you know, had somebody really wanted to, they could optimize, and we probably wouldn't notice a whole lot if all the keys were straight or at a like a, a nice angle to each other.
2: Yeah, probably not. There, and you're right. There are a lot of ways to optimize. In fact, in my presentation, I showed a heat map of a QWERTY and a Dvorak keyboard, and mm-hmm. you can see that with the QWERTY, you've got three of the most commonly used English letters, E, T, and O, are on the second row. So you're traveling up to the second row to hit those. Whereas on the Dvorak keyboard, all four of the most common um, English letters, A, O, E, and T, are on the home row. And so you can just see that the heat map is drastically reduced down to that home row, where you're basically just keeping your your fingers uh, right next to each other. But uh, yet, the efficiency gains are not huge.
1: Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI tools and Enterprise Mobility Solutions, SharePlus and ReportPlus enable high performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration and market leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission critical applications, delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it. All at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today, download a free trial at infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting and collaboration at infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset.
0: So you mentioned saving time. I mean, what how much time are we talking? I don't know if you mentioned any actual numbers um, in your presentation. You mentioned 30 minutes a day by by sticking to the keyboard. Um, I, I know personally, I have a I have a hard time memorizing certain shortcuts. So I like your your technique for doing that. But the the actual 30 minute figure, like how did you how did you come up with that?
2: That was pretty much a shot in the dark. I I spent some time trying to figure out how much a keystroke would save you over the mouse and how many you might do in a day, but that was all speculative. And so, I just threw out a nice round number. Um, I think... It just to, based on my experience, I think that in a say ten hour day, it's reasonable for me to guess that I can shave thirty minutes off my day not traveling to the mouse and going through visual workflows, but rather okay. um, snapping through those workflows very quickly on the keyboard
0: yeah once you once you master that, then you should have somebody sit there and, and basically enforce it and say, "Hey, you have to use a mouse for everything that the mouse can possibly do yeah and then, and then you can figure out how much time you wasted on the on the mouse
2: yeah that's true the, the difficult part is that you have to get somebody because it takes us a while to ramp up to the speed yeah. of the you know the keyboard and so you have to get somebody who's used to that well that's why i'm gonna take back you to we have to yeah. we just,
0: you know you you're already efficient now we have to make you inefficient and then take the difference <laughs> there you go
2: there, <laughs> there you, go. you can
0: hire people on craigslist to like slap you every time you use the mouse uh there there was there was an article about that uh i think i think it was like a year ago where the guy hired somebody in craigslist basically every time he went went on like social media like Facebook book or something like that she was supposed to slap him I love and it. uh and by the end of the day like he was very like focused <laughs> because he, he knew like you know if i go do anything that's wasting time at all i'm gonna get hit <laughs>
2: so there <laughs> there's you, gotta be an electrical shock a, yeah a
0: device we'll figure, out how, we'll figure out how to automate this with a raspberry right Pi. <laughs> right <laughs> or just yeah just run electric through your your mouse right so it's like when you have to use it you'll use it but you know you just have to pay for it <laughs>
1: right so I, I, you know, my next question is like, where is a good spot for us to start using keyboard shortcuts more? Is there a few that would, you know, help maybe us uh, help us regain more time if we learned a few first and got used to the using those? Yeah, the well, I don't,
2: I don't think I would, um, I don't think I would put out some kind of prescriptive advice on which ones are best. I think I would ask a developer, what it is, what is it that you do? Like mm-hmm. to, if you can spend some time observing when your mouse or your hand goes to the mouse and what commands you execute, those are the ones that are the most important for you. And so that's why I like that, t- that tactic of, um, you know, putting your mouse uh, under your, you, you need, you need it. I mean, there's certain scenarios where you need it, but just put it away from you so that it's not right there. And and then go through that pain of, oh man, what is that shortcut? And go through your menu and see what it is. I know like my IDE of choice is Visual Studio Code and I can just hit Control-Shift-P and type in any command I want and it brings it up and shows me that command and the shortcut. Mm-hmm. And so then it's, it's natural and easy to just hit enter and choose that shortcut and execute that command, but what I force myself to do is to hit escape, get back out of that menu, and then execute that keyboard shortcut. And it really only that's takes me about three times before that's my habit. Control-shift-U to open the output panel in Visual Studio Code. That one, I didn't follow my own advice, and every time I needed it, I forgot it, so I'd go to the menu and I'd just choose it. And I did yeah. that for so long, and now I'm traveling with the mouse, traveling to the menu, choosing an option, and now it's control-shift-U. I've got it memorized. and and bam, I can hit that much, much faster every time.
1: That's really some good advice though, because each of us, even if we're working on similar projects, we just tend to work so differently that those shortcuts could be vastly different.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And the keyboard shortcuts is really only one way in which you can be more efficient with the keyboard. Some of my other key hacks include, um, finding the CLI for whatever task you want to do. A lot of Especially a lot of Windows users are in the habit of finding an application that is a GUI because yeah. we're used to using GUIs there. They look easy, they seem easy, but they demand the mouse in a lot of cases. I mean, there are obviously a lot of times keyboard shortcuts even for the GUI that are valuable to use, but man, if you can use, if you can find a CLI, it's much faster. And here's the example workflow. If you're an open source developer, or if you do a lot of demos like I do in my role, you're constantly creating GitHub repos and GitHub projects. And you can do all of that on the command line until it's time to create the actual GitHub repo. And then what most people do is they open their browser. There's a keyboard shortcut for that, by the way. And they go to the address bar and they type in github.com and they go to theirs and they hit add repo and they fill out some forms and boom, they've got a repo and then back to the command line. Um, to clone that or set that as a remote and then then they're developing right Mm -hmm. well you can go to npm and find the gh package gh for github and then you have a command on your command line and now you can say gh repo new and you know my new repo and it creates it in github and and you've got it you can just clone it right there and you never had to leave your cli
0: cool do they make i assume they make that then
2: they don't it's a community project Oh, it's a community project. Okay. Yeah. That's still I asked really them cool. about kind of a first party tool yeah. and they they were kind of like, Oh, I, I don't know. Most people just go to the browser. And I'm like, well, that's bad. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> yeah. It's because you don't give them a way to do it the other way. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They go to the browser because you're forcing them. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I mean, just anytime anybody asks for a new feature, uh, you just say, well, nobody uses that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think? Because it doesn't exist. <laughs> no, I'm just making fun of them. Um, so what about people who don't know how to type? So, I mean, like if you, I am, I'm still shocked. I mean, I I guess it's understandable, but I I have seen people like that. I just didn't realize, didn't know how to type. And then I see them there like, I'm like, Whoa, I mean, is there, I mean, I, I, do you think these, oh man, I'm I'm trying not to be mean to them, but like, it, are the, is there still an advantage for them to figure out how to, how to do this? Should they learn how to type first? Like what, what, what should we do with for that sure. whole situation? Yeah.
2: They should learn how to type. It's, it's a little silly. It's, you know, I think it's, uh, Jeff Atwood has an article about using the keyboard instead of the mouse. It's, I think it's called going commando <laughs> and he, <laughs> he compares, <laughs> <laughs> he compares um, showing up to a developer job without typing skills as like showing up to an athletic event without your uniform or something. Yeah. And it's it, it's just a little <laughs> bit silly to do that because if you've got two fingers hitting keys, can you imagine how much more, less efficient inherently that is than having 10 fingers on the keyboard, right, you know, ready to tap them? With yeah. Them? Yeah. I've seen people type 60 words a minute with two fingers. It's yeah. phenomenal. They're phenomenally skilled with yeah. two fingers. But imagine how fast they'd be with 10. Yeah. So, well, and you have to take your eyes off the
0: screen. I mean, people don't do it without looking. Like, they're not just, it's, they're looking down at the keys.
2: Yeah. 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 It's pretty amazing. Actually, I think that, um, for, for me, for the longest time, I didn't know how to use that 10 key keypad and enter numbers. I just relied on the top Mm -hmm. row and I thought, oh, it's all right. I can use the top row, but you know, sometimes I'm on a calculator or a cash register. I'm not very often on a cash register.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's funny is a cash register is actually opposite too. I don't, did you ever notice that?
2: No, isn't it a phone that's opposite?
0: No, I, I I believe a cash register is 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 opposite of the the, really? the number pad, and I guess a calculator would be as well. Um, that's probably why they're opposite. But what's funny is that I you know I've used both without ever thinking about it. And I'm actually I'm extremely proficient. Well, I shouldn't say that because you know I'm probably still like one tenth of the speed of like you know most people. But uh, <laughs> the you know I've gotten really proficient at that. And what's funny is whenever I see the other type of number pad without even thinking about it. I can use but, it as well. Wow.
2: it's, a, like it's We are it's amazingly funny. adaptive, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We really I, it, are.
0: I didn't, you know, it's funny because I didn't, it, it was after I had done it a lot, you know, back in like my cash register days, you know, I was also doing the same thing in a computer. And then I realized that they were opposite. I think it's on a cash register. Anyway. I, this is going to sound really stupid if it's not. But yeah, I was able to flip. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, like these aren't even the same.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Well, as a point of encouragement, I want to let developers know that I didn't know the first thing about uh, touch typing on a 10 key keypad. And so I went out to explicitly learn. And of course, you can find everything online now. So I found a website that lets you practice your 10 key keypad and it shows you your errors and all that. And it, I'm not kidding. It took me like two days to learn that. It is really fast. And now whenever I'm in the situation where I'm on a 10 key keypad, I could be dramatically faster. Yeah, And there's a there's a link that I'll give you that you definitely need to drop in your show notes. There's a site called keyhero.com and there's a hidden URL. At least I couldn't find it by just searching, browsing their, through their site. But if you go to keyhero.com slash custom dash typing dash test, they'll let you paste in code that becomes the typing test. And so instead of pasting in a paragraph, oh, like genius. I like to tell people, instead of pasting in like Shakespeare, you know, when you do a typing yeah, yeah. test online, it's always Shakespeare and you're like, I don't know about you, but I don't, there's not a lot of curly braces in Shakespeare prose. <laughs> and so so I want to I go take some of my code, some of my JavaScript, and drop it in there. And then I can do a typing test on my code, including curly braces, at signs, and all the oddities in our developer code. And yeah. now I get a heat map overlaid on the text, on my code, of which parts of it I'm fast at and which parts of it I'm slow at. So I can see that, man, whenever I'm trying to write a function definition... I'm really slow at that function definition. So let me do 10 of those in a row without even looking, you know?
0: Yeah. So I've, I've now looked at about a hundred pictures of cash registers and they actually <laughs> are the same as the keyboard. Okay. Uh, so I must be thinking of something completely different. Even the Fisher price ones. Are you thinking
2: of the, are you thinking <laughs> of the phone
0: <laughs> are the same layout as on my keyboard? So
2: are you thinking of know. a telephone? Cause those ones are opposite and that was, oh,
0: that maybe, was maybe. Yeah. Cause I can, yeah. Cause I can dial a telephone without looking as well. How,
2: how are you on a rotary uh, dial?
0: On what? On rotary 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 dial. (laughs) Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I think that's it's like riding a bike.
2: (laughs) Of course. Okay.
0: So, uh, what is Emmett.io?
2: Oh, good question. A- Emmet is um, a standard for expanding CSS syntax into its associated HTML, and I think it's absolutely brilliant because just like you know how jQuery gave us the selection using CSS yep. syntax, and the collective JavaScript world said it was oh. almost like it was
0: kind of like link, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, I already know this, and so I can yeah. just say something short, and I can find everything on my page. And it's the same thing with Emmet, except what it does is it says, okay, I want to write a a div with a certain ID and some child uh, list items in a in an unordered list or whatever HTML you want. Of course, if you were doing that um, by selection with jQuery, you would type the CSS and it would go and find that HTML. And Emmet just says, you type that CSS and we'll generate that HTML. So now you can type something like div pound Charlie tab and tab executes the Emmet. And instead of and then your div pound charlie will become a div with an id of charlie. Or you can wow. say div dot complete, and it'll give you a div with a class of complete. And so you can write these relatively large statements in CSS, which some of us are pretty good at doing already, and have that automatically expanded to a whole bunch of HTML. And they take it a bit further, too. You can add some lorem ipsum text, so you can sample out a whole bunch of text, and you can also um, do uh, climb the tree as well as add siblings. Like in CSS, you can do siblings, but uh, you can't climb your tree in CSS. It's all top down. But with mm-hmm. Emmet, you can kind of climb it. So you can say, create me a paragraph and then climb back up and then create me a list if you want. And uh, they also have a number of shortcuts. One of my favorites is I can type HTML colon five tab and it will stub out for me an entire HTML five. <sighs> That's uh, it's HTML syntax. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. With the right, you know, syntax the right is amazing.
0: Doc- I'm just yeah. looking at the demo, the expand abbreviation. And yeah. And they write one line and it's like they've written an entire page. It's it's yeah. pretty wild.
2: Yeah. If you use that in conjunction with your snippets, you can become very, very efficient at putting yeah. text in. The snippets in your IDE are probably very good. And you combine that with this, and you can be really efficient at entering text.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think I just I don't write enough HTML these days to um, you know, to, to really take advantage of that benefit, unfortunately. Yeah. Cause I've seen this before, like it was far enough, you know, in the past that I've already forgotten most everything about it, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately.
1: <laughs> so another one of your key hacks was you were talking about advanced text editing tactics and some of them like were really cool examples, like how to uh, do multiple selections or do the code folding. But, you know, one of the things I was thinking of is those are things that are very mouse centric but you might not think that they have keyboard shortcut equivalents. How do you go about discovering some of the code shortcuts that are there, but you don't
2: naturally find? Well, for me to discover keyboard shortcuts in my IDE of choice again, which is Code, um, I again I just do the Control Shift P, which brings up the Command Palette. And m- remember, there's a difference between Control P and Control Shift P. If you do Control P, it's ready for you to type a command. Um, if you do Control Shift P, then it brings up the palette with a carrot at the, not a carrot, but a, a greater than sign at the beginning, which means I'm going to type something kind of in English language, and it's going to help me find that command. So use Control Shift P and then type for instance, um, expand select or selection expand. I forgot exactly what it's called. But if you just type expand, you'll find it. And it'll bring up the command for expanding your current selection. And it'll show you what the keyboard shortcut is. And now you know it. <laughs> so you use that and it will expand and shrink your selection. And actually, that's one that I think is a tremendous advantage. I, one of the things that people do probably a thousand times a day as a developer is they've got their cursor inside of a, a variable name. And they want to select that variable name. Maybe they want to change it or move it or whatever. So they oftentimes they'll move their mouse to the end of that um, variable name and select drag over it so that they can cut it and move it somewhere else. Or if they're, uh, if they're trying to be faster, they'll use the keyboard and they'll use control right to get to the right side of that letter, that word, and then control shift left to get to the left side of that word. And that's better, better than using the mouse. But best of all is to use the keyboard shortcut for expanding your selection, which is intelligent enough to say, I'm inside of a variable name, so I'll select that variable name. And then if you expand again, it selects the entire statement. And then if you expand again, it selects the entire function block or whatever. And so that's a really, really nice way to do that. But so your question was, how do you discover that? If you're in code, that's how you do it in your IDE of choice. If you don't have a way to do that, then just Go look online for sublime keyboard shortcuts or whatever, and you're going to find some really good. Yeah, there's
0: probably some cheat sheets out there, too, I'm guessing, for, for some of these IDs.
2: Yeah. 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 And the box selection and multiple selections, it actually is uh, possible to do that with the keyboard. It does seem like a mouse thing because you can like hold down the control and alt keys and drag with your mouse and highlight a box, which at Mm -hmm. first you look at it and you're like, why would I ever do that? And then you're like, oh, of course, when I'm writing code, I might want to select all the var declarations on the left and and change those to let's. And they're yeah. all, you know there's twelve of them and they're all lined up perfectly so I'll just do a block selection. But you can yeah. also you can hold down Control Shift Alt and then use your arrow keys on the keyboard and do a block selection just as easily as you can with your mouse. And whenever you type, it types everywhere um, that that expands. Yeah, that one is
0: amazing is. to me, uh, being able to... and also doing the multi cursor, um, which is I think sort of basically the same thing. But you could have yeah. stuff in the middle, so you're selecting like all these different pieces of text in different places and then you're typing or deleting or doing whatever and all that editing in multiple places it's real
1: that's when you can really see the power of this
2: yeah yeah right Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so another one of your key hacks talks about learning how to control your windowing and and i do have a slight complaint about this with windows so first of all i have the caveat i run vertical monitors okay so if you if you do the windows left right it snaps them left right if you use uh, the the left like left and up, it'll put it in the upper corner. But if you yeah. just hit up, it won't yeah. it won't That's snap right. it to the top. So That's for right. me, I, I wish that was there. So it's I, you know I
2: totally agree.
1: So but one of the other things that as we're going through these, you know, a lot of times, you know, when it got mentioned the virtual desktop feature was really cool. But I have three monitors in front of me. I forget to use them sometimes, especially yeah. since they've added really good uh keyboard shortcuts to adding them, removing them, navigating between them. Um, you know, how are ways that we can remember that these are there and how to use them better?
2: Well, uh, I think that like you, I forget to use my virtual desktops and it, it might take me months or sometimes years to to get in the habit of using a new feature because I haven't been doing it. And mm-hmm. so it takes me a really long time and I don't know any other way other than to like step back from your normal day because when you're just doing your normal day and trying to get your normal code written your day done you you fall back on all the habits you already have so set aside some time where you can be intentional about observing yourself and 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 getting into the habit of using these those new things i'm able to sometimes find a trick like i was using my you know the little uh little red thing that they the lenovo keyboards put in the middle between the g and h the key The eraser, (laughs) So I was in the habit of using that, and I didn't like using it. And so I I was able to go into the options and turn it off. And then for a couple days, I was, ah, it doesn't work, you know? So I (laughs) down to the touchpad. You're like, oh, no,
0: I don't work, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) And then I got out of the habit of using it, and that was really effective. So if you have a way of tricking yourself, do that. (laughs) Trick yourself. Yeah,
0: so on the Mac, there's a good way of tricking yourself. I don't think you can do this in Windows. If somebody knows, let me know. Uh, Because the the virtual desktop functionality in Windows, when it got added, it was just it was really clunky to use but it was still great that it was in there um, and yeah. they finally added where you can do like the four finger swipe and you can right. actually switch it to a three finger swipe so that's handy um, but one of the things that they that they do on the mac that I really like is that you can assign applications to a particular virtual desktop um, and that's a great forcing function so so whenever i was uh doing a lot more development on the mac I would have my i my desktop number two was like this is the place where you write code okay. desktop number one is sort of the default for other things um number three is a windows virtual machine um so that i was always i was always in the middle and i could sort of switch between these different contexts but what's great about it is if you're on your main desktop and like you click on vs code it actually uh switches to the second screen and opens oh, it I there that. yeah great. so you have to you'd have to swipe to get back to the first one um So that's what I think that's one of the reasons why you'll see people on a Mac use it a lot more. And then also, I mean, they, they obviously had the swiping in there first, so they just, they just made it. So there's almost no friction. So I think So
2: Jason, have you submitted that to windows feedback yet?
0: I haven't. I
2: haven't. Come on. Got to do that. And the okay. other thing I want to submit that Carl just gave me the idea of is there's no reason why it should be hard-coded that you know that the Windows arrow keys go to these quadrants or these sides of the screen or these are how they behave. Yeah. It should be that there's a place where you can configure the ranges. I want from zero to this or zero to 50% horizontally and vertically to be one region and then the windows arrow keys would then just send a window around through the tile system that you've essentially created the grid
1: Mm -hmm. i'll
2: submit that carl i'll let you know what the number is so you can go upvote it
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly i will i will give it all my maximum votes
0: (laughs) and i was just i'm just trying to confirm right now too yeah see there's nothing when i write when i right click on it on a on a um pc there's nothing but see on on the on the mac under options uh it says um assigned to and you can say all desktops this dot this desktop or none i don't know what none when you
2: right click on an icon at the on your Uh,
0: yeah that's in the that's in the dock or the taskbar yeah Um, So that's what I want to see on the PC is basically you, you open, you would open up like VS code, you drag it to the second window um, and then you right click on the taskbar and you say, you know, basically open on this screen. Um, And then from that day forward, like on my Mac, VS Code has never run like on my main screen. I love that. Like, always on that second screen. And, gotta, I'll, you know, that in- and I'll have it open all the time too. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's there. You know, oh, I want to do some coding. Foop. I just flip over. You know, like now I'm in, it's I think of it as like switching modes or context. So, so
1: yeah, I think Jason brought up a really good point. I mean, you've obviously done a lot of comparisons between the keyboard and mouse, but if you have a trackpad that's full of these complex gestures, yeah. have you looked into how they compared to the keyboard?
2: Well, part of the inefficiency is the travel time and you're you're inevitably going to be using the keyboard for text entry and if you're doing um you know certain kinds of development open source development maybe you're I'm writing a note a lot you're inevitably going to have your hands on the keyboard a lot and regardless of what kind of input device I have over there it's a foot over there and I've got to take my hand off to get to it and then bring my hand back and get it back on my home row so there is some inefficiency in that that means regardless of what device you have you're going to Pay that tax. But then on the... Yeah, like I've got a... Have you guys heard of the Space Mouse? No, no. It's by... 3d from NASA? Connections, i think yeah no it's for doing it's for doing anything 3d so like i do a lot of uh, hardware design using fusion 360 and if you imagine you've got something 3d in front of you you've got these keyboard shortcuts like control shift and alt and then you can use your middle mouse wheel to mo- rotate the thing around or whatever but a space mouse is really elegant because basically it's a little it looks like a hockey puck and it can move in any direction you want you can kind of push it to the left the puck push it to the left push it to the right you You can even pull up on it or push down on it, or you can Ah. twist it. And so you imagine that the, the 3D object on your screen is represented by that puck, and you can just move that puck around, and you're you're moving you're navigating around this 3D object by just moving that puck around
0: so there I think in I think that I've one i've seen somebody use that in like um i think it was in like autocad and it would have been yeah. like almost 10 years ago he had this thing and he's like yeah this i mean it, they've probably gotten less expensive he was like yeah this was $4000 but oh yeah mine was
2: know. $100 i got the portable yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, but it saves it, you know, he's just like, you know, I'm like, is that worth it? He's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I am in mean, working in a 3D space all day long, absolutely, it pays for itself.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, I'm not so much like a, um, a staunch advocate of the keyboard. I'm a staunch advocate of efficiency. And so yeah. when I go into a 3D environment, I'm not going to be staunch about using the keyboard because I'm, I'm in a 3D environment. So I'm going to set that mouse next to me and, and be yeah. efficient.
0: Yeah, I was just kind of wondering. I mean, the trackpad, like on a on a laptop, is like right there by the keys, right? You mentioned like a photo so You have you're closer. Plus, you could. I'm just wondering like complex gestures too. like um, in a browser, like back, like you can do a two finger swipe back and the browser go back. And I've gotten in that habit a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think you made a good point. Like it's about efficiency. So you have to sort of take a step back and say, okay, here's what I'm doing is, you know, what is the alternative? Which one's going to save me time? Make that decision up front and then force yourself to, to go down that path so that you're saving time.
2: Yeah, because for instance, to go back in your browser, you can also tap backspace, which you may be in the position to do quicker than getting your hand to the trackpad to do a gesture.
0: Yeah, so I just I read something the other day. I was talking about how is this place where like you 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 have to you have to sit there and watch somebody else. And, and, and what they do is, is they, they, you know, they, they need to search for something. So they, they, they search in the toolbar for like Google, which shows them like a Google search and, you know, and then they click on the first result, even though they're already in it. And, you know, like that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the worst, isn't it? You know, it watching it's somebody totally go through different. that. It's like, oh, so, so basically I think, I think to summarize everything you said, it's like, don't be that guy. <laughs> do, do the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Um, and, and think about how much, cause, cause really that's like one end of the spectrum where, you know, I, I guess I consider myself sort of in the middle. Um, and you're, you're way closer to the other side of the spectrum. It's like, okay, how can we be more like Jeremy? Cause that's where we all should be.
2: You know, I got some uh, dramatic inspiration from my last job where I was uh, developing uh, software. I was sitting next, we did paired programming all the time, extreme programming. Yeah. And it was cool. Beautiful. I absolutely loved it. And I yeah. sat next to this guy named Dan who was, um, oh, Eric, sorry. Dan was another one. But Eric was amazing on the keyboard. And yeah. I would um, I would sit next to him and just marvel at how quickly he would do things. And it made me realize I could get faster at this. And specifically when he did cut, copy, paste, it made me realize that I was still looking at my keyboard to line my finger up on control and then to hit an X or a C or a v. Mm. I didn't realize I was doing that and he wouldn't look the code would just disappear and appear somewhere else and and (laughs) his hand was just doing it. And I was like, that's brilliant. So I went to a notepad. I opened it up. I pasted some lorem ipsum in there and I started grabbing words and cutting them and pasting them without looking. And at first it was a little bit painful and then I got it. It, Once again, it only took me an hour or two to get on top of that one.
0: Okay. Well, this is, uh, this is very inspiring. Anything else you want to mention that we, that we skipped any tips that, that we didn't talk about that everybody should know about?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think just in general, the idea of being intentional about this, going out and looking for lists of keyboard shortcuts, read through yep. them to see if there are any that you think will change your life um, or whatever. And and then just to emphasize once again, that idea of um, looking for the CLI because there are so many of the things that we do that you could do on the command line and the command line is just flat faster.
0: Yeah. And then ask yourself if you're, if you're having a conversation with your future self, you know, what are they going to want you to do? You know, it's basically (laughs) they're, they're talking to you. They're going to tell you, please make an investment in this because it will pay out dividends over the next few years. I love that. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Um, okay. Let's see, Carl, what do you have for the dev tip of the week? So this
1: is actually kind of funny because it was not planned out, but my dev tip of the week is a keyboard shortcut. Uh, <laughs> my, Matthias Huckstra had tweeted out that windows key plus control plus shift plus B will reset the graphics stack in windows. What? Yeah. So go ahead try it right now, Jason, live. Windows, windows control, shift,
0: shift
1: control B. It will reset the, you'll see your screen flash. Oh yeah. and, look at that. Yeah, it did. That's so awesome. that that really makes you like realize that Probably there's thousands and tens of thousands of Windows
2: I say, Jeremy, that you've
0: never that you've I never have a heard of. Computer just for this, Jeremy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I had well, no so. idea about that one, Carl, until you told me. And I tried it, and my screen flashed, and I love it because sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes there's just something gets screwy with the graphics drivers, and you just re- restart your computer. I
0: could see that. I could see that happening uh, when presenting as well, right? Like, why isn't it working? Like, it, you could just try that real quick.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. Good idea. There's
0: really no harm in it. I don't think, I mean, you did it while we're on Skype. So (laughs) cool. And then I also have a dev tip of the week and this one's probably going to make me seem like an idiot, but uh, that's okay. Um, I am. Uh, So this one it's funny. This was a feature that was added to Chrome like a long time ago. I think this was added like a year ago. And I thought it was the stupidest thing because I didn't, I never actually tried it. So in Chrome, uh, if you're on a PC, it shows up as this little, like little icon, like a person, or actually, I think it says your name. So mine always said Jason. And then on Mac, it shows up as a button in the top right corner of the browser. And it's basically this multi, multi protocol, uh, <laughs> multi user support in Chrome. And, I always thought this was stupid because I'm like, why would they add this to the browser? Because... If I want to have another user, I'm just going to log them as a different user. Like on Windows, I have, you know, like a guest account. My parents will come, you know, they'll visit or whatever and they want to check their mail. So I just log them on as guests and they have their own totally separate thing. So why would anybody use this stupid, stupid feature? That was that was me like a week ago. Meanwhile, and I think I've even complained about this on the show. I've been I've been begging for somebody to write a Chrome extension that lets you basically like swap out your cookies so that you can log oh, in yeah. as multiple people. Yep. So yep. I I always do this thing. I have edge set up on my computer, uh, with like my work credentials. So I access all work resources with that. And then I use Chrome for like everything else, which has my live ID. So I can access resources with that. Um, and, and so I basically use a, a browser for each of these. Well, I was, I was like halfway through complaining about this yet again. I'm just like, why does anybody wrote a, write a Chrome extension that lets me switch profiles? And I'm like, wait a second. You know, when I finally stated the problem like that, I'm like, it, could it be that simple? And sure enough, it is. So I went in there. You can create another profile. It doesn't even require, it doesn't require an online account or anything. Like I literally, Well, made that's one. the
1: thing that threw me off. I assumed that you needed to like back it with a, like a Google log. Yeah.
0: So I went in there. This took like three seconds. I created a second one called Jason at work, and then it actually pops up and it it's a, it's a completely different, like, I don't want to say install, but it, it, it's as if it's a totally different install of Chrome. It, it wasn't using my theme. None of my stuff was there, which is, you know, which is actually great, totally different set of cookies and they run side by side. So I, sure enough, I go and I access our work resource. It asked me to log in with my work credentials. I log in. I actually open the Azure portal with, uh, you know, with my regular Chrome browser using my live ID. And I open up my work account, which has access to my work Azure account side by side. And you, can close them reopen them you're always you know you're just authenticated automatically in both of those browsers so it's basically it's like using two chrome on two different computers and not having synchronized at all and for me as simple as it sounds is like totally life-changing because i can so use how do that. You,
1: how do you get to that
0: so up so on the it, top of it, your browser
1: it, yeah in the upper right hand right next to the minimize expand okay there's like a oh, yeah, little yeah, thing it's that right to the left game. of
0: minimize yeah okay. does it say jeremy there
1: click on yeah. if you if you click on it It brings you a little thing where you can switch person. If you click on that, you can create a new thing. So while Jason was explaining that I added an MS dev show one and I added our email and Twitter. So now I don't have to like go into incognito mode every time.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So anytime like people do that all the time, right? They go into incognito mode to log into uh, like an Azure portal or something because they don't want it to automatically pass through their existing
1: credentials. And that's, well, this lets you. Yeah, because have that, I'm a have consultant, and phone. and I have my personal Azure, yeah. my work Azure, client A Azure, client B Azure. That's yep. it's annoying. You can be logged into Azure on all of them, at, on all of them simultaneously.
0: And then oh, you can, wonderful. you can pop them up all side by side. Yeah. This so, is not per- dumb, this is life-changing Jason. Yeah, I know. But I, I just assumed that everybody else had figured this out by now. I guess I'm the last one to, to know this. Or I thought I assumed I was the last one to know this, but I feel good that you guys didn't know this, uh, <laughs> for, for some weird reason.
2: Now uh, we're the last ones didn't know this. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just have, I have Jason and then I have Jason at work and I didn't even think of that too. Like different personas, like, you know, the MS dev show. Cause the issue I have every time I open up YouTube and we turn the, the history off finally but I you know Carl you and I were opening up YouTube and like we'd watch some videos and all of a sudden, you know, we're like getting suggestions in like the MS dev show account. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's weird. Like, you know, we were only, it was only us seeing that, but it's like, well, mm-hmm. this is just pointless because I was getting like suggestions for Carl, you know, which is interesting stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, this, this sort of solves that whole like persona issue. You know, you can basically say, okay, I'm in MS dev show mode. So I'm going to open up my, my, and you could even, they even has different bookmarks and all that good stuff. So you're like, we could bookmark Extensions, so, I
1: noticed the, you can have yeah, separate extensions. Different either. extensions,
0: yeah, ex- absolutely. Um, So this is this is actually really, really awesome. <laughs>
1: Edge so, team, get on this. Yeah, well,
0: implement.
1: Yeah, today. absolutely.
0: So I didn't realize the the genius that that was this feature. But anyway, hopefully that uh, hopefully everybody's having an aha moment at this point. Hey, ah, I've got okay.
2: another tip for you. Yeah, go ahead. Excellent. This one is one of those ones where I ask a crowd, uh, how many people knew this? And I get two hands out of 50. You know, Not very many oh. people know um, uh, that this type of thing exists. And so I, I love turning on those light bulbs. But yep. um, so often when you're doing development, you're creating a server or a service. And then you want to show somebody that. You want to say, well, I, let me set this up real quick. And now you can point your UI at mine. And you've mm-hmm. gotta, usually you've got to push it out into the cloud somewhere so Ooh, that they can I know what this one it. is. I th- are you going Are you thinking I'm gonna say Ngrok? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Oh, N-Groc. you were okay. <laughs> I was gonna say Ngrok, but now okay. I'm not going to say Ngrok, Not just because you know it, but because Ngrok switched to a paid service, which is awesome. They have a great tool, and I, I, you know, I hope he does you well with it. You can still
0: really it. use it for free, though. You can still What's use that? a lot of stuff for free, right? Uh, no, you can't anymore.
2: I don't think. I, well, that's because is...
0: I just, I just used it like three weeks ago. Okay,
2: so there is a free tier, but you, there's no way to do subdomains. Unless you uh, pay for Ah, it. Anyway. Okay. But there is a tool in NPM called Local Tunnel. So you can just NPM install globally, local tunnel, all one word. And then you simply type at your command line, you type LT and then there's a dash P for your port. So I want to open up 3000 and dash S for your subdomain. So I want to call this my server. And then it just says, all right, you're open at myserver.localtunnel.me and you're you're pushing that out to the web. And so so now other people can connect to it. So I go to a lot of hackathons and I make sure that everybody knows that they can do this because- Sitting right across the table from somebody, and one of them is working on the service, and the other guys are working on the UI, and they don't have to go to the cloud and back.
0: Yeah, yeah, Oh, no, it's it's awesome. And was amazing. Yeah, um, I think yeah. So so the reason I think that these these companies ultimately have to charge for this because they have to run a service. They're basically running like this 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 tunnel, this proxy service totally. up yeah. in somewhere. So like, and I don't N-Groc- know how
2: local. So I don't know how yeah. Local Tunnel gets away without it. You get Local you get a subdomain on localtunnel.me and you don't get okay. anything.
0: Yeah. Well, so I mean, they're paying for it, right? <laughs> they yeah, probably, right. I, you know, for for whatever reason, maybe they're running it like in their MSDN account or something. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so if I type that in,
0: It directs expensive.
2: to GitHub.io. If you type Am in I doing
1: what? that
0: right? Well, if it's an npm oh.
2: package, Carl. I haven't oh. done it. I haven't put anything out there yet. I could go spin something up. Yeah. We... It gives
0: you it gives you a specific address, Carl, whenever you run it. Okay. So, so ngrok, probably what I would do is I would start with ngrok, Carl, just because it's so much easier cuz you well, I shouldn't say it's easier cuz I guess it's npm versus downloading XE. but you just run ngrok and like specify your port and boom, like that local service is now available as a, a public site.
2: Yeah, I don't um, think it'll even ngrok, change the port number, too. I don't think ngrok is easier because you also have to authenticate so the, you know, the, so it'll set a cookie and that cookies in your profile in order to do the subdomains, I guess you don't have to authenticate if you, yeah, yeah,
0: doing yeah. but if you, if you're not doing subdomains,
2: yeah, but it's, maybe, it's goofy not doing subdomains because it gives you this like seven digit goofy key for the io And then yeah. you've got to try to tell somebody uppercase Y, lowercase G. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was, I was just on Slack, like sending it out and it actually yeah. worked pretty amazing. But now, yeah. so our listeners have two options.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah. I'm just one, I'm just thinking like local tunnel, like they're, they're going to have to start charging at some point. And I mean, the, their cost should be low, but I mean, like it costs something to run that. So yeah. I got to imagine they're selling something at some point. Yeah. Um, or just free options keep coming out and the other ones go out of business. I don't know. Uh, okay. So pick a number between one and four inclusive three, three, would you rather live near a noisy airport or live near the city dump?
2: Noisy airport yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you too? I, I I've lived next to both and you can tune <laughs> out that noise after a while.
2: Yeah. 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 I have a relatively noisy road, not too far away. And it's, I wouldn't even know it now. And, and I'll see at the dump. I think if it were just me, I would go, I would take the dump because I have a terrible sense of smell, but my wife yeah. has an incredible sense of smell, unfortunate for me. And, uh, she, I, she would, she would not go for it.
0: Yeah. So, I so <laughs> I have some, some weird background information on this. So if you, if like, so, so yeah, for you, Jeremy, like the, the airport would actually be more annoying because it, it it's going to be quiet and then it's going to be loud and then it's going to be quiet, right? Like it's not constant.
2: Oh, that's true. Um, that's true.
0: living near the, the city dump, you will get used to it and it will happen fairly quickly. Um, okay. so if anybody's familiar with Kakana, Wisconsin, <laughs> 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 so Carl, yeah, it, it's funny because basically when you drive through this place, it's, you know, it's on the highway. So you're driving through and then all of a sudden you're like, everybody in the car is like, Oh, kakana. <laughs> it smells it's like paper mills. It's, it's like this really horrible, obnoxious smell. Like Tacoma um, used to come Houston. Yeah. So the, the land is a little bit cheaper there, but the thing is like, I knew somebody who lived in an apartment there for a while. And I mean, it's like after, after, I don't know, let's just say an hour, I'm just making up an amount of time. Like you, you just become sort of immune to it. And those people don't realize that, 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 that smells even there now when they leave and like come back, they can smell it obviously, but I don't know, you sort of get used to it.
2: Yeah, but your guests so. aren't used to it. So you can't I know, have people that's, the, that's
0: Yeah, I know. That's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I visited. I'm like, how can you live here? And then an hour later, I'm like, ah, whatever. Okay, Carl, pick a number.
1: I'll take number four.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> because it's sort of Halloween related, even though we're yeah, we're getting close. Okay. Uh, would you rather wake up tomorrow with a jack-o'-lantern for a head or with tree limbs for arms and legs?
1: As long as the they're both equally functional as the normal equivalents. I would probably say the jack-o'-lantern for a head. I kind of got that going on anyways.
0: <laughs> did, I, did I just reveal your Halloween costume? <laughs> just paint your, paint your head. I'm sure somebody's done that. Okay, very cool. That concludes that section of the show. Okay, so where can people find you, Jeremy? Uh, looks like we've been collecting lots of links, but where, where should people go to, to see your awesome stuff?
2: So the definitive source for me is codefoster.com. And by the way, um, so I have a blog post at codefoster.com slash better, where I was talking about my hilarious history of blogging engines uh, I, I'm, I'm very idealistic and I have to f- have the right blog engine and I started with WordPress and then yeah. I moved to blogengine.net um, and then I moved yeah. to Lamoon and then Better CMS. and I would like to <laughs> announce today that very soon I'm going to be switching to a new blog platform that I'm very excited about. It's called Hexo.io. Anyway, so okay. you'll see that Code Foster looks one way now and is going to look a little bit different very soon, but that's my... That's, um, My home on the web. Okay, and but if you want to get a hold of me, kind of the first point of contact is Twitter at Code Foster.
0: So, are you going to a uh, static blogging? Yeah. Ah, Okay, I figured that's 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 where all the
2: hotness is. It's where all the new hotness is.
0: Yeah. Okay, I have to look at it. What was the one you said you're going to use?
2: Hexo.io. It's all Node, and just like most of them, you write Markdown files, and it's really easy to theme and plugins are excellent, and I'm just super thrilled. Yeah,
0: I use I use uh, um, DocPad.
2: Yeah, that was another. But one it's I at.
0: but it's not um, it's not very popular. Is okay. is that's the only thing that I don't like about it? Like it's really yeah. good, but it's just not. You know, you want one that's fairly popular.
1: Yeah, because that's it's not also like what you're the MS Dev Show is running
0: on. Yeah, MS Dev Show uses it too, but it's yeah. not like it's not like the popularity hurts you on a static site. Like, go ahead, try <laughs> to hack it. Yeah, <laughs> there's no code. <laughs> good luck right. finding a vulnerability. Right. Right. Um, awesome, awesome. Yeah, you you do like tons of really good work. I mean, you got lots of content on Channel 9. You do tons of video content. Um, you just you you put out some really amazing stuff. So, uh, you know, I well, I, I just really I really sincerely
2: the love the developer community. You know, I mean, yeah. we, probably like you, I, I used to work as a developer. I wasn't yeah. online at all. I just, you know, wrote my stories and got my stuff done at the end of the day. Yeah. And I just love that role. And I love the communities. I get to go to get get together at a lot of meetups and stuff. And so I just feel like the one thing I can really try to do is add value to developers' lives by producing some content. And sometimes it surprises me ones that I create that I just think are a shot in the dark end up being really helpful to folks. And sometimes vice versa but anyway thanks for that yeah
1: yeah thank you
2: for all the good stuff that you're doing
1: carl where can people find you you can find me on twitter at carl schweitzer you can
0: find me at ytechie.com or at twitter at twitter.com slash so jeremy thanks again once more for coming on the show and of course as always you are welcome uh anytime that you want to come on anytime that you have something good to talk about always a great
2: guest cool how about next week <laughs> sure <laughs> <Right>. just kidding <laughs> let do it <laughs>